We are in a series on love and marriage, and so we're going to pray here for a moment, ask the Lord to be with us, to speak to us, and then we're going to jump into this sermon. Amen? Amen. Come on, let's pray. Father, we thank you, and we're grateful for the words you've spoken already, for your encouragement. Would you speak to our hearts through your word, and would you give us life through your word? Would you allow our hearts to be touched by you, changed by you, in Jesus' name. Come on, let the church say amen. Amen. So we are on this love and marriage series, and Pastor Mary kicked us off a number of weeks ago talking about the condition of our hearts. And then last week we talked about tripping on trauma, how sometimes it's our past childhood issues and all other manner of issues that kind of find their way up in our relationships. But don't worry, that's just me. That never happened to y'all. <laughs> Praise the Lord, right? I was, I was really glad at the number of men who reached out to me last week and this week and said, hey, there was so much truth to what you are saying because I've been seeing some of the same stuff in my own life. And so I encourage you to own it and to walk through it. Amen. Is there a better way, though, to do relationships and to do marriage? As Christians, we need to place a high priority on the success of our relationships, on the success of our marriages. Amen? That's a great place to be like, yes, pastor. Thank you so much. (laughs) But we should put an emphasis on our marriages. Now, as believers, I'm going to get in trouble, and I just don't care. Um, we believe the biblical way of marriage. That was another great opportunity. We believe that God is the creator of marriage. And therefore that God gets to set the rules for marriage. And we hold a biblical view, a traditional biblical view of marriage in this church. And that will never change. We believe with all of our hearts that the word of God is inerrant and that marriage is between a man and a woman, a biological man and a woman who as scripture have been described by God to come together in matrimony with the goal of reproducing the image of God in children who will further the kingdom of God and anything else that cannot do that is not marriage. It's not marriage at all. That's not me being political, it's just me being biblical. Are you with me so far? We don't use these beliefs as a hammer to someone's head, but we just understand that God gets to set the parameters. Now, someone might say, Johnny, why does God get to set the rules for marriage? I used this illustration a while ago, and I'm going to use it again because it's still good, right? My kids love to play Minecraft. And and in Minecraft, you can create your own world. Just saying you can create your, you can do whatever you want in Minecraft, but there's two types of world. Number one is a survival world, which means you got to find everything in the world, do all your own work, and if you die, you might lose every, all your progress. Got to go find yourself again. Got to go find your stuff. But then they have creative world where you can have access to everything the game has to offer. But here's the key, that whoever sets up the world is able to set up the rules for that world. If it works in a video game, why don't it work in real life? That if God creates the world, he gets to set the framework and the rules of the world. Now, I told first service and I'll tell y'all, it's ironic to me that in no other area of the laws of God does man push against except in the area of morality. 
Nobody stands around saying, I can't stand those laws of gravity. I don't like the laws of gravity. I don't like the laws of, of nature. We should change the oceanic system. I don't like how the solar system works. Nobody's sitting here saying, you know what? I don't think that the Milky Way galaxy should be shooting through the universe at 1.65 million miles an hour, because it is. Nobody's sitting there saying we shouldn't be doing that. Nobody's, nobody's arguing about the ozone layer. We shouldn't have an atmosphere. Why do we have an atmosphere? I feel like we shouldn't have an atmosphere. Because those are the laws of God that govern the earth that beyond anything, we can't even control them. But the ones that we think that we can, we push against. It's only in the area of morality. But I have come to tell you that we as a church and as believers, we have to hold fast to this truth that we know to be true. The scripture, we see it from the account of, of Adam and Eve. He said, for this reason, a man shall leave a wife. I didn't say the first service to this, but for many, many people, you have to understand that the biblical reason for moving out of your parents' house is marriage. He said, for this reason, a lot of folks move out because they want to be free. And then you're free to fall into sin because you do stuff on your own. You wouldn't do them under mommy and daddy's roof. Don't want to hear that when these young people are like, I've been planning to get out. <laughs> There's, there's shelter in mommy and daddy's house. I'm tired of paying my parents' rent. Well, when you leave there, you're going to have to pay rent, UI, gas, depending where you live, trash and water and everything else. Stay with mommy and daddy in Jesus' name. Jesus' name. We cannot shift as culture shifts. We cannot shift as culture shifts. We cannot do what culture does. That may sound, for many people, they may say, well, that sounds like hate language. No, 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 it's not at all. It's biblical language. Right. Romans 12, be not conformed to the world. I can't conform to your ideologies. I can't call you what you think you are if God says you're something else. I can't roll with what you're doing. I have to go with what God says. Now, I, I've done a lot of premarital counseling, and praise God that Pastor David does most of it now. And... Um, <laughs> But one thing I notice is that many people don't have a grid for marriage. When I say grid, I mean they don't have like a foundation for it. Behind this wall, these, this sheetrock is on the wood, and that wood is 16 on center. All the frames and the studs are all 16 on center if it's done right. And so you know where to put the screw in, and you know how to set that sheetrock up because it's 16 on center. A lot of folks don't have a grid for marriage that is 16 on center. Because dad wasn't there, mom wasn't there, and their view of marriage is J-Lo, and it's the Kardashians, and it's culture, and it's BET, and it's the real world, which isn't real at all. And then some of y'all grew up watching Jersey Shore, and you're all this foolishness. Some of you Spice Girls, and it's all this stuff. And it's just like, that's not relationship. That's not what marriage is. If we get our cues from culture, we're going to be all jacked up. If you learn about marriage from Malcolm in the Middle, you are all messed up. If you learn about relationships from the Jamie Foxx show or Martin, you are all jacked up. When we reflect on our childhood, one of the only shows in all of our childhood, one of the only ones, not the only, but one of the only ones that had a healthy view of marriage, surprisingly, was the Fresh Prince of Bel-Air. When you look at all the shows, the man was an idiot, the woman was super smart, and they were cunning, and they were always tricking their husbands, even down to I Love Lucy. 
the culture in Hollywood have duped us to think that something is marriage that it is not. But is there a better way? Well, we find it in Ephesians 5.17. I'm reading from the ESV version. Therefore, do not be foolish, but understand what the will of the Lord is. And do not get drunk with wine, for that is debauchery, but be filled with the Spirit addressing one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing and making melody to the Lord with your heart, giving thanks always for everything to, the, to God the Father in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. Submitting to one another out of reverence for Christ, wives, submit to your own husbands as to the Lord. For the husband is the head of the wife, even as Christ is the head of the church, his body, and is himself its savior. Now, as the church submits to Christ, so also wives should submit in everything to their husbands. Husbands, love your wives as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her, that he might sanctify her, having cleansed her by the washing of water with the word, so that he might present the church to himself in splendor, without spot or wrinkle or any such thing that she might be holy and without blemish in the same way husbands should love their wives as their own bodies. He who loves his wife loves himself for no one hated his own flesh, but nourishes and cherishes it just as Christ does the church because we are members of his body. Is there a better way for marriage? Is there a better way than what we're doing right now? How many of you know that people are weird? Amen. Yes. I'm one of those weird people. I think that everybody has some weird thing about them. If I looked at your life long enough, I'd be like, that's not normal. That's weird. A couple of the weird things that I have going on in my life, are I don't care what it is that I buy that I have to build or set up, I will first waste an hour of my time trying to set it up without the instructions. Yeah, you're weird like me. Who needs instructions? I'm a man. Hmm, I watched Home Improvement with Tim Allen. I don't need no instructions. You know how many drills and screw guns I got? I don't need no instructions. How many men know what I'm talking about? We will stare at it and look at it and then we'll be like, let me just check these instructions real quick. And then we'll say something, you know they're always wrong, but I'll check it out. How about this one? This is real dumb. This is real dumb. I personally love my GPS. But I hate the fact that while I'm listening to a podcast or music, the GPS interjects with the voice. And depending on what map you use, it doesn't always pause the, the podcast It'll just speak over it, and now you got to sit there and try to not die by rewinding your podcast. And thank God they have the whole 10-second thing nowadays on Apple phones. I don't know what you Android demonic people are using nowadays, but I know that. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. But I, I know that. I know that. I hate missing it, and so this is so stupid. And so in an effort to not miss a podcast or a part of a song, I will miss a turn. Because I mute the voice on my app, and unless I'm looking at the map nonstop, that's weird. And as weird as that is, that's how many of us live our lives when it comes to relationships. We have muted God's instruction, and we're missing turns left and right. 
That's called the preacher trap. You laughed at me a second ago, but now you're convicted. That's the nature of human relationship. And the great thing about relationship is the bad thing about them is the same thing that makes it good. It's the people. The same thing that makes my marriage really good at times is the same thing that at times can make me, it's my wife. Don't worry, you never felt that way, right? You're so holy. It's the same thing. Inside of marriage, there is a better way. I want to challenge you if you're young, if you're married, single, that you need to not succumb to the way of the world when it comes to your relationships. Don't engage in stuff like premarital sex or moving in before you're married because people who move in before they're married, statistically speaking, have a 33% higher chance of divorce just due to you making dumb decisions that you thought were good. Marriage isn't about test driving it. You see, in Ephesians, Paul the apostle, he comes in and he's teaching about a bigger, broader topic than just marriage in and of itself. He's talking to this church in Ephesus, and all of the epistles are written for a specific purpose. They're addressing certain issues within a church, and Paul is addressing these issues in this church in Ephesus, which is common-day Turkey. And as he starts talking about this bigger narrative, I had to pull back to verse 17, because oftentimes in talking about marriage, we'll jump to verse 22. Wives, submit to your husbands. But there's something else that Paul is talking about. In order to get the full instruction and to understand the fuller context, we got to pull back. Amen? Now, what Paul shares in these verses concerning marriage might be normal and average to us as believers now. But I want to challenge you that for biblical times, these were revolutionary thoughts. These instructions from Paul were absolutely revolutionary. For no other religion in all of humanity has ever empowered women like Christianity. In the times of the Bible, wives were considered just like property. They were dehumanized and often left with no rights, no ability to divorce if they wanted to. They were just a contractual obligation. They were just a piece of a dowry or a status symbol, but they were not esteemed in most cases. And into this male-driven world, Paul comes in and he begins to elevate women and elevate the place of marriage in society. This is bigger then what I think we take for granted after the thousands of years, we take for granted how big this scripture is for liberating women inside of marriage. In Ephesians 17, we pick it up. He says, therefore, do not be foolish, but understand that the will of the Lord is. And do not get drunk with wine, for that is debauchery, but be filled with the Spirit. I had to come back to this verse because he's talking about this bigger idea, this bigger narrative of being spirit-filled. Paul is teaching them to not be like the world, but to be filled with the Spirit. And then he gives us some evidences of a life filled with the Spirit. Addressing one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing and make melody to the Lord with your heart. That's being Spirit-filled. That's why I run up on my wife singing sometimes. Praise God. (laughs) Giving thanks always and for everything to God the Father in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. And then he says this, that we should all be doing this Submitting to one another out of reverence for Christ. So before he mentions a wife's submission, he mentions a mutual submission in between every believer, every husband and wife, that there's a mutual submission 
that we should all have. And submission in this context means this, is to think of others as better than yourselves and to allow for them to take the, the, the first seat and you take the second seat. He then goes in and he couples it with the wives, submit to your own husband after the Lord. For the husband is the head of the wife, even as Christ is the head of the church, his body, and is himself its savior. Usually, when talking about marriage, we jump to verse 22. But if we do that, we miss this bigger issue that Paul is saying. And here's what it is, real in a nutshell, that in order to be in a good human relationship, you have to be spirit-filled. Imagine being not spirit-filled in a boyfriend-girlfriend relationship, you fall into sin. Don't worry, that's not you, right? He is talking about men and women, married and unmarried, and he says you should all mutually submit to one another as a sign of being filled with the Spirit. Because Paul understood that pride of position and the authoritarian spirit is destructive in the church, and that there should be mutual submission. We should all hold the door for each other. We should all serve one another. We should all love one another. We should all think higher of the people around us than we do of ourselves. But in order to have that, I have to be spirit-filled. Here's point number one for you today, that successful marriages or relationships require us to be spirit-filled. You cannot have a healthy marriage and not be spirit-filled. You have to have spirit-filling in your life to walk in the fullness of what God has for your marriage. I want to say this to you. In church, we have a tendency to over-spiritualize some things and under-spiritualize others. In the context of marriage, we need to realize the depth of what it means to be spirit-filled in our relationships. When you're spirit-filled, your reaction to your spouse ain't going to be to cuss them out. Okay. When you're spirit-filled, you do what the scripture says, be angry and sin not. Right? Anger isn't a sin. Rage is. Don't worry, you've never raged out. Anger is a necessary emotion. He says, be angry, but sin not. You see, our marriages and relationships are a spiritual endeavor. And the moment we make them just a human construct and not a God and divine construct, then our marriage is lower to human level. But when it's in the eyes of God, a spiritual construct, we realize that all of our relationship should be governed by the conviction of the Holy Spirit. Your friendships, your boyfriend, girlfriend, your fiancés, all you people seriously dating who you're hoping he give you a ring, you got to govern your relationship by the Holy Spirit. Your story should be one where by the Spirit you were led to one another, and in the Spirit you built one another, and by the Spirit you got married, and you produced a godly legacy in the earth. Marriage is not just a commitment between a man and a woman. It's a spiritual endeavor between you, God, and your spouse. When we live according to the flesh, we engage in sinful acts, in shameful acts, in immorality. We can lie to ourselves. We can ignore all the red flags that we see in our Beloved, we can, we can try to get them saved by bringing them to church, even though they don't serve God. We can do all that and ignore everything that we know to be true just to be able to have a boo. But is this a spiritual endeavor or not? If your goal 
is to be in love, you might find yourself at one point in lust. If your goal is to honor God in all you do, then your relationship takes on a whole different life. When we don't allow for the Spirit to guide our marriages, our relationships, they become self-centered, they can become sinful, they can become unloving and disrespectful, filled with contention and unforgiveness. But again, don't worry, that's not you. Let the record show she said amen. (laughs) But how many of us know that at times that is just like us? Are you allowing the spirit to lead and to guide your relationship? You should have a spirit-filled relationship. Now, Paul has already stated that all believers should be submissive to one another. And then in the midst of that, he kind of zooms in on one type of relationship. Broadly, first, he talks about everything, and then he zooms in. Here's what he says. Wives, submit to your husbands. And for some of y'all, you think I just cussed. (laughs) As to the Lord, for the husband is the head of the wife, even as Christ is the head of the church, his body, and is himself its savior. Now, as the church submits to Christ, so also wives should submit in everything to their husbands. And I think for a lot of people in church nowadays, this is where your neck might get stiff and you might roll your eyes and the mental machine is clicking that you ain't going to submit to nobody. And that you don't understand my situation, Pastor. My husband ain't even saved. How am I supposed to submit to him? You got to keep on reading scripture and realize that the sanctified wife sanctifies the unsanctified husband. If you've already made that mistake, Paul would say, don't leave your husband because he ain't saved. you got to pray and be faithful and be the image of Christ in his life so that he comes to salvation. And then you got the other group of people who are, he may be the head, but I'm the neck, and the neck controls the head. <laughs> yeah, show me that in the Bible. Because that would mean then that we control Jesus. Do we? We have to watch the foolish things that we say. And get a bigger understanding. Now, before I go further, I want to reiterate that Paul is saying his statement of wives submitting on the back of mutual submission in the household and in the Christian family. I submit to my wife at times. What are we having for dinner? (laughs) I ain't going to cook. When we were moving into our new house and we were designing stuff, I had to submit a lot of ideas to her. She would change her mind all the time. I'm like, are we doing gray cabinets or blue? Are we doing navy? Or what are we, what are we, I want two-tone now. I want this. I want that. At the end of it, there's some things that I don't really care about, so I submit that to her, right? The other day, we went shopping yesterday. We went shopping with the kids, and, and the fact of the matter is this, is that we were shopping every weekend for a different kid, and I, my job, I had one assignment, that I was to distract the other two kids yesterday while mom and Myla went shopping, That was my job, distract the kids, because I know I'm not going to pick out the right clothes for my life. I'm not a girl fashionista. My wife still dresses me. I mean, I I wake up every morning, hey, hey, this look all right? And she's just like, you're fine. I'm like, you didn't even look. She's like, you do this every day to me. And I'm like, why are you surprised? I do it every day. What's going on with this? And so I just, I don't mind submitting a bunch of stuff. I don't mind submitting decisions to my wife. But my wife also knows that if I make a decision, it's a decision for the family. And it's not for her to to be like, oh, I can't believe she doesn't do that. I trust you. 
When it comes to decisions with the finances, can we afford this house? We're good, trust me. Can we do this? Oh, we're fine, we can do that. There's a mutual submission to that makes it work. Was it always there? Good God, no. I'm an alpha, she's an alpha. It was like this for a long time. Can I get a witness there? Yeah, some of y'all acting like y'all just so submissive. But it was, it's hard in the beginning, but you learn. Now, at work in this is God setting the order in the family. And I love it that he says, you should submit as you would to Jesus Christ. That's important. How do you submit to Jesus? Would you talk back to him? Would you, would you look at his decisions in your life and say, you were no good dog? Would you dishonor God? Would you disrespect Jesus? Wives, submit to your own husbands as to the Lord. There's this beautiful picture that I can trust the decisions of Christ. And some of you, again, you're thinking, but you don't understand my husband. They done made a lot of mistakes. And they might keep on making mistakes until you allow them to fail forwards. That's a, that's, I know that's tough to hear. But I want to encourage you that if you do what the scripture says, there will be a restoration and a healing process that is initiated in your relationships. Paul says, for the husband is the head of the wife, as even Christ is the head of the church, his body, and is himself its savior. There is something in this that the woman should be able to look at her husband as her savior, as the provider of all her needs. That he should meet every need. That no matter what happens, I know my boo-boo got me. That if there's any situation that is too big for me, I know that my husband is going to take care of this. That's the way a woman should be able to look at her husband. And now some of you husband are like, yeah, <laughs> yeah. I want to tell you that you should learn to be a good leader. You boyfriends, you, you gentlemen, you fiancés, you, should, you have to earn this level of leadership. Paul is building a bigger picture here, but here's what he's, he's illustrating, that our marriages should reflect the church's relationship to Jesus. That's what he's saying. Now, as the church submits to Christ, so also wives should submit in everything to their husbands. The church submits everything to Jesus. He is our leader. Someone, of course, is thinking that they're spouse or their loved one isn't the good leader, and their list might go on as to why they can't submit. But I would submit to you that either you trust the word of God or you don't. Either God's word is true or it is not. Either God's word is living or it's dead. There might be a million reasons why he hasn't fully succeeded as a man leading, but can you submit to God in his word? Can you at least at a minimum allow the word of God to lead you? And I want to go out now and say to this right now, to every man and woman, that submitting to one another is not a sign of weakness. Is there any picture in scripture of one who is stronger or one who is equally as strong submitting to someone else? Well, I would say yes. Look at John 5, 19. And so Jesus said to them, truly, truly, I say to you, the son can do nothing of his own accord, but only what he sees the father doing. Jesus said, I can only do what my dad does. Philippians 2 says that Jesus was fully God, but he took and he reduces himself. He submits. He clearly says, I only do what my father tells me. I submit my will to my dad. And you may say, Jesus didn't have his own will. He's God. They're just the same person. Well, the Bible says this in Luke twenty-two forty-two: Father, if you are willing, remove this cup from me. Nevertheless, not my 
but yours be done. Jesus had his own will, but he submits it to his father. And Jesus was equally as strong as God. He was God in the flesh. And the question for us becomes, are we going to see that, that submission is actually a strength and not a weakness? Here's point number two, that marital submission shows strength, not weakness. Marital submission so, shows strength, not weakness. In Peter, 1 Peter 3, 6, Peter says that the Old Testament women, they adorned themselves and made themselves beautiful through submission. He's saying that there's an attractiveness to submission. Culture tells you there's an attractiveness to a strong woman who speaks her mind. That's opposite. And then some would say, well, we have to be strong because the men are weak. You can have every reasoning and societal view you want, but either we align our lives with this scripture or nothing's worth it. God's way or no way. You see, inside of submission, there's strength that I can be strong and still let you do what you got to do. I'm not threatened by you having strength in my life. I'm not threatened by saying to my wife, do what you want, choose as you will. I give her the leeway to do things. Doesn't threaten me. And she doesn't feel threatened, I would hope. And me leading her, my household, my family, knowing that I have the best intentions. Maybe you're here and you feel like your partner isn't doing their part. I want to encourage you to be like Jesus because your consistency is key to their change. Your consistency is key to change. You may say, well, my spouse, you don't understand. They ain't saved. They ain't this. They ain't that. Blah, blah, blah. I want to tell you right now, I love you so much. But if you just be like Jesus to them, I'm telling you, God will touch their lives. Successful marriages need the spirit. And we must realize that submission is a sign of strength, not weakness. Verse 25, and I'll wrap this up. Husbands, love your wives as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her that he might sanctify her, having cleansed her by the washing of water with the word. So that, here's why, he might present the church to himself in splendor without spot or wrinkle or any such thing that she might be holy and without blemish. In the same way, husbands, in the same way, in the same way, in the same way, Carlos, in the same way that Jesus loves the church and overlooks all of our jacked up messed up ways, our sins, our mistakes, our problems, our issues, our crazy te- you know, tendencies. He overlooks everything and loves us. That's how I have to love that woman, Jesus. And here's the key. Here, here's something I told the first service. Women, don't get mad at me, okay? I'm gonna clean it up afterwards, I promise. You're all crazy. I tell, I tell young men, I tell young men, you have to decide what kind of crazy you want to deal with for the rest of your life. You can handle it, marry her. Women, I'm going to help y'all. Men, we are nuts. We're all crazy as well. We all got some issues. And women decide I could deal with him for the rest of my life. It starts off, I love him. And then after you get married, I'm going to deal with this for the rest of my life. But here's the thing, here's the thing, right? There's something inside of relationship 
that the Bible is teaching us that men, your job is to overlook every issue, every imperfection, every mistake, every flaw, and a washer through the word of God and to present her to yourself as a woman without spot or wrinkle. That you should not point out every problem she has. You should not magnify it. You should not look down on her because she made a mistake. You shouldn't be like, this food is nasty. <laughs> Sitting there looking at her, talking crazy about something she done did. I don't like your attitude, girl. Imagine if Jesus said that to us. It's amazing. You want Jesus to have a gentle spirit with you while you have a very rough spirit with your wife. Oh, y'all want to hear that. I'm going to help somebody today. 1 Peter 3, 7, men, listen to me. This is for the men, likewise, husbands. Live with your wives in understanding, showing honor to the woman as the weaker vessel. I pause, time out. It's not saying she is weaker. It's saying as the weaker vessel. Since they are heirs with you of the grace of life, a.k.a. they're going to heaven too with us. They're co-heirs with us. They ain't lesser in God's eyes. So that, here's why, your prayers may not be hindered. I just told some of y'all why God hasn't heard your prayer. Because you can't treat your wife right. That's a tough word right there. Because you look on your spouse with contempt. You look at the mistakes. You look at the, she don't understand. I wish you would get it. I wish you would be like this person. Yeah, y'all want to hear that stuff. Okay. Peter, the global leader of the church, says the prayer of a, of a husband can be hindered by the habits of a husband. Treating your wife wrong. Come on, y'all. Sitting there saying, well, I don't, you know what, I'm falling, this is, the, this is the one I hear a lot. I'm just not in love anymore. Love's a choice. You know, she changed after the kids. What do you expect? You expect her to snap back like a Barbie? What would you expect? I remember my sister and me were talking, and I had a conversation with my wife. She wasn't getting embarrassed right now. I don't care. And, um, and, and, and she said, you know, my wife had made a comment to me, something along the lines of like, you know, after like two and a half kids at that point, you know, are you still attracted to me? I'm like, girl, listen, that body you got right now was custom built. I built that bad boy. Listen, I love it all. I built this bad boy. You think a couple of kids, you think I'm going to get mad because you had a couple of kids and you don't look the same? Girl, listen. I done did that. I did it to you. How am I going to? But many a man, many a man, you got to get yourself together, yo. As if you're looking like Zeus or something. <laughs> Running around with your dad, Bob, thinking you're killing something. Because you just got back in the gym and you're like, you got to keep up with me, girl. Come on. No, no, we have to look at our marriages and look and say, I got to cover my wife. I got to build her up. I got to cultivate things in her. I have to bring the best out of her. Here's my third point, and listen to me really good. Listen to me really good. I'm going to give you something I think is really a very powerful thought, okay? Here's point number three. Are you with me? Marriage is about loving people to their best, not for their best. Marriage is not about me loving the best things about you. It's about me loving you so much it brings out the best in you. 
That's different. We usually get married because of what we love about our spouse, not realizing the things that are coming are much greater than what we currently love. I'll, I'll, I'll exhibit it like this. I love my wife from jump, but I loved her more when I saw her with my daughter, Aria. I had a newfound respect for a woman who can carry a child, be pregnant, endure that. And then after the birthing process, I'm like, yo, girl, you strong. <laughs> newfound respect. Now, I wasn't able to love her as a mother prior because she wasn't a mother. But because I gave her a child and she gave me a baby, I brought the mother out in her. And so I loved her for her best at one point, but then I realized I was loving her to her best. I was on a journey with her and she was being perfected into the image that God had at the end of her life of her. God was building all of her. The same way she brought the father out in me. I brought the wife out in her. She brought the husband out in me. Come on, in marriage, you love people to their best, not for their best. In relationship, as we, as men, as men, any men in the room? As any men in the room? Say it with your chest, what's wrong with y'all? Any men in the room? Your job is to love her so well that in your sight, she's perfect and without blemish. To love her to the place where her last mistake isn't your first memory. To love her to the place. See, women remember everything. But men, we're not called to do that. We're called to wash. We're called to renew, to restore, to cultivate, and to bring out the best. See, Jesus brought out the best in me. Jesus brings out the best in us. At once you were lost, but now you're found. Once you were a sinner, but now you're a saint. He brings out the best. He washes it with his word and he brings out the best. And, and Paul says, hey, husbands, that's your job. Bring out the best in them. Now, you may be here and you may be single and you may be sitting here and, and maybe you're not single. Maybe you are married and we're talking about relationships and love and marriage and just maybe the first relationship you got to take care of is your relationship with God. Amen. Maybe you're a spouse or maybe you're a single and you're an individual who you're not the best version of you because you haven't submitted your life to Jesus. You see, when we submit our lives to Jesus, he begins to build the best version of us possible. And maybe today, and here's what I mean by that. If you don't know, if you died today and you don't know where you would go, you're not 100% sure that I want to challenge you that you need to ask Jesus into your life. Maybe you're here and there are marriages or people who are in relationships and you just need some prayer, you need a touch from God because right now there ain't a lot of submission and there ain't a lot of loving people to their best. As a matter of fact, we're throwing stones, daggers, and we're stoning each other as often as we can. But man, God wants to have healthy marriages in the house of God. Would you stand with me right now as the prayer team makes their way up quickly, 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 like you're getting paid for it? Come on. 
Come on, this is a holy moment, amen? Not a time to run out just yet, but I want to ask you, I just, I just said to you, there might be some people in this room who absolutely need to submit their lives to Jesus. They're not saved. They're not walking in the spirit. And you are not able to walk in some of the renewal that I've talked about. Some of the submission to Jesus, some of the best version of you, that you're not that person yet. But I want to tell you that Jesus loves you. And the same way he loves the church, he wants to love on your life. If you don't know where you would go, if, you, you're, if your salvation right now is not sure, I want to tell you that we want to pray for you. And I want to give you an opportunity to ask Jesus into your heart. If that's you, with no shame in your game, would you lift your hand as high as you can? Would you lift your hand? Thank you. Come on. If that's you, if you're online, there are people who are waiting to pray with you. Come on, their hand's going up right now for people who just need salvation. This is a salvation call. You just know that you just need to surrender your life in full. Maybe some of you have said this prayer, but you, you know you walked away from God. You ain't living right. You ain't living holy. You ain't living righteous. You need to submit your life to God. There's a few hands up. If that's you, I want to challenge you to have some strength right now. Just come down this center aisle right here. Just come right now. Don't wait for nobody else. Come on. Come right now. We want to pray with you. Come on. We want to pray with you. We want to pray with you. Come on. Come on, I'll wait. Come on, there's more. Come on, I'll wait. Some of y'all are thinking to yourself, I went up with my wife last week for prayer. Should I go again? If you need to, yeah. That's all right. We want to pray for marriages, amen. We want to pray for people who are seriously dating. We want to pray for couples who are just in need of Jesus in your life. Gary, over here, over here, not me. So I want to encourage you guys. I'm going to pray with you. And if that's you, come down this aisle. And don't worry about nobody else around you. It's between you and Jesus, amen. Come on, bow your heads right now, right here. Lord God, I ask you in Jesus' name to come. Speak to hearts, speak to minds. We are in need right now, God, of a healthy marriage revolution in our nation, which is start here among us. Teach us, Lord Jesus, to submit to one another. Lord, there might be people who hear that, and man, that really irks them. But I ask you, Lord, do it in their life as only you can. Give them courage to even come up for prayer. In Jesus' name.